So acting as a mediator is the next section. This is um two two uh 2.01 subsection 6 and uh this is uh the rules when when you're looking at the rules. This is uh 2.01 subsection 6 and in the guidelines it's guideline 2 section 5 to 6. So it says paralegals, we have special duties when acting as mediators, right? We have to act with integrity, be civilized, be civilized and courteous, and avoid conflict of interest. Uh, paralegal mediators, we must also ensure that the parties to the mediation understand that uh, that we are not acting in the capacity of a paralegal or as a representative for either party, right? So if a paralegal, uh, if a client hi uh, hires us, we have to let them know that, you know, um, we have to let the parties in the mediation know that we are not acting um, as a legal representative for either party, right? We are acting only as a mediator. So our role as a mediator is to assist the parties to resolve the issues in di um, in, in dispute. So whatever the conflict is, that's our, our role is to solve that issue at hand. So the relationship between the parties in a mediation and the, and the paralegal is not a paralegal client relationship. So for example, if somebody hires me to act as a paralegal mediator, I, um, first of all, I have to make it clear, you know, that, you know, I'm only here as a mediator. I'm not here as a, um, I'm not here as a representative or a paralegal representative for either, like, I'm not here as a, uh, I'm not here as a paralegal or representative for either party. I'm just acting as a mediator and my job is to solve the conflict or issue at hand. And the relationship between uh, me and the, and the parties is not a paralegal client relationship. So it says, in fact, when a paralegal is acting as a mediator, we the paralegals must avoid conflicts of interest. So an example is, well, the paralegal me mediator must, um, while the paralegal mediator may give the parties legal information, i.e., general information about the law that does not in, um, does not apply to an individual specific situation, neither the paralegal nor the paralegal's partners or associates should give any of the parties legal advice right so we're not allowed to give legal advice example as interpretation of the law or application of legal rules and principles to a particular situation however this does not preclude the paralegal mediator from giving information on the consequences if the mediation fails so we have to let the parties know that if the mediation fails then these are the consequences. So it says paralegals conducting a mediation. Um, paralegals conducting a mediation should recommend and encourage the parties to seek the advice of a qualified paralegal or lawyer before and during the mediation process. So, like during yeah during the process, then we have to advise them to seek. Uh, we have to encourage them to seek, we can recommend them to seek, and uh, we can recommend them and also encourage them to seek the advice of a qualified paralegal or lawyer before and during the mediation process if the parties have not already done so. Okay. 
So next is undertakings and trust conditions. This is section uh, 2.02 in the rules and in the guidelines is section 3. So what is an undertaking? So undertaking is a personal promise to carry out specific tasks and or fulfill specific condi conditions. Undertakings are the responsibility of the person giving the undertaking. Paralegals must not give an undertaking that cannot be fulfilled, must fulfill every un undertaking given in a timely manner, and must honor every trust condition once accepted. This also applies to any professional or practice-related promise the paralegal may give. A paralegal who undertakes to complete a task or provide a document is pro, um, required by the paralegal rules to complete that task or provide that document as promised. So let's say if a person accepts a paralegal's undertaking or promise, then that person is entitled to expect that paralegal to personally carry it out. Um, using the phrase on behalf of my client, even in the undertaking itself, may not release a paralegal from the obligation to honor it, right? So if the paralegal does not intend to take personal responsibility, this should this should be clearly stated in the written undertaking or promise provided, right? So the paralegal has to be clear that way, you know, um, if they don't want to take personal responsibility, they should mention that in writing. So that there is no confusion. Uh, so it says, except in uh, exceptional circumstances, under undertakings or other practice-related promises must be written or confirmed in writing, right? So it has to be in writing as soon as practical after they are given. And the undertaking should be clear in their terms and include a time period for fulfillment, right? So it has to be written. It has to be clear. There has to be a time period. Uh, it says it may be appropriate to provide for contingency contingencies example if the obligation in the undertaking rely on certain events occurring indicate what will happen if these events do not occur and before accepting an undertaking or promise the paralegal should confirm that the individual providing it is a legal or lawyer okay Uh, so what is a trust condition? So a trust condition is a requirement that documents and property to be held in trust until the performance of particular conditions. Once accepted, a trust, a trust condition is um, an obligation on the accepting paralegal that the paralegal must honor personally regardless of whether the trust condition was imposed by another legal practitioner or by a layperson. As a result, a paralegal should not accept trust, trust conditions that are unreasonable or cannot be fulfilled personally. When a paralegal accepts property subject to trust conditions, the paralegals must fully comply with these conditions, even if conditions later appear unreasonable, right? Trust conditions should be clear, ambiguous, and explicit and should state the time within which the conditions must be met. A paralegal who imposes or accepts trust conditions should do so in writing. Any variations to the trust conditions should be confirmed in, in writing. Um, a court or a tribunal may enforce undertakings, trust conditions, or other professional promises given by a paralegal. 
It says the paralegal may be brought before a court or tribunal why to explain why under why the undertaking trust condition or other practice later promise was breached. So if the paralegal uh, breaches a promise um, or undertaking, as I mentioned, uh, then they may be ordered to take steps to satisfy the undertaking trust condition or other practice-related promise and or pay damages caused by the breach. So that's one thing to keep in mind. And it says the law society may discipline a paralegal for breaching an undertaking a trust condition or another practice-related um, promise. Breaching a practice-related promise may result in a finding of professional conduct, right? So breaching uh, is also can lead. Uh, breaching may result in a finding of professional conduct. So the next is paralegals on the Ontario Human Rights Code. This is section 2.03 in the rules and this is in guideline 4. So it says the Ontario Human Rights Code gives every person a right to equal treatment without discrimination on various grounds relating to matters such as employment, contracts, housing, and service. The purpose of the code is to prevent discrimination and harassment on the grounds of uh, race, color, or creed, citizenship, ancestry, place of origin or ethnic origin, sex, including pregnancy, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity or gender expression, age, record of offenses in the context of employment, marital status, including single status or family status, Re uh, received of public assistance in the context of housing and disability. So, discrimination may be uh, based on one or more prohibited grounds. So, individuals have the right to be free from discrimination or harassment when they receive legal services, right? So, so paralegals, as paralegals, we have to ensure that no one is denied legal services or receives inferior legal service due to discrimination, and we shall not engage in the harassment of or discrimination against a colleague, a staff member, a client, or any other person. We have to keep that in mind. Um, paralegals who are also employers must ensure that their employment practices. So if you're a paralegal and you're at work, you're at work, you ha your conduct at work has to adhere to the code, right? You cannot discriminate when you're at work, right? Um, that includes discriminating like against your coworkers, um, your clients at work. It just like discrimination in the workplace and it says paralegals obligation obligations regarding harassment and disc, uh, discrimination are outlined in the paralegal rules and the code so as paralegals we are under ethical and legal duties to comply with these obligations and we should therefore review and become familiar with the paralegal rules guidelines and legislative requirements to determine what they what we must do in each situation right so if we have any questions and we're not sure of what to do we could always uh, refer to the paralegal rules of and guidelines uh, so that we have an idea of what to do in each situation um 
So it says, at the same time, paralegals in their roles as employees and members of the paralegal profession have a right to equal treatment. So yeah, we even have a right to equal treatment without discrimination and harassment under the code. Not only are, are we told not to discriminate, but we also have a right not to be discriminated against. So it says, as a result of recent surveys, the Law Society has found that discrimination and harassment in legal workplaces still exist, unfortunately. The challenges faced by racialized licensees working group found that licensees from equity seeking groups are, uh, sorry, licensees from equity seeking groups face widespread discrimination. Um, is as see working together for change strategies to address issues of system systemic racism in the legal professions. Yeah, unfortunately, harassment and discrimination still happens in the workplace. Uh, is good to be aware not to discriminate or harass people at work or your clients, but and also know your rights. So that way, when you are discriminated against and being harassed against under the human rights codes, you know what to do. Okay, so next is discrimination. This is uh, rule 2.03, subsection 4 and 5, and this can be also find, found in guidelines 4, section 1 to 5. So paralegals, we must not dis discriminate against clients, other, lic other licensees, or any other person in the course of providing legal services or employment. So what discrimination is differential treatment based on uh, any of the code's prohibited grounds that creates a disadvantage. It is the impact of the behavior and not the intention behind it that determines whether the behavior is discriminatory. So if somebody makes a, you know, um, like for example, you're at work and somebody makes a sexual joke and that is sexual harassment, to them it could be like, oh my god, it's a joke. But f to you, it could be impacting you negatively so that it's still harassment, right? It doesn't excuse the person just because they think it's a joke and it's funny. So discrimination arises in three different ways. Uh, direct discrimination is discrimination that makes an explicit distinction in treatment uh, that marginalize a group. So this is like, you know, this direct is against a, a marginalized group, like is how they treat that marginalized group. Um or how they make a group marginalized. So there is indirect or adverse impact discrimination. This describes the situations in which all individuals are treated the same. I example by the application of a seemingly neutral war or policy, but such treatment results in a disadvantage to a, to a group protected by the code. In such cases, there is a duty on the paralegal to accommodate members of the affected group up to the point of undue hardship, right? So, uh, systemic, there's also systemic discrimination, which is discrimination that becomes institutionalized uh, in social structures, systems, practices, and policies as a result of power groups and disadvantages to others. So next uh, is uh, sexual harassment. Uh, this is uh, two, section 2.03 sub 3 uh, under the rules and in the guidelines is guideline 4, section 6 to 8. So it says, as paralegals, we must not harass a colleague, staff member, licensee, client, or any other person 
uh, based on a prohibited ground in the course of providing legal services or employment to them. We are prohibited from engaging in sexual harassment. So what is harassment in the code? Harassment is defined as engaging in the course of vexatious comments or conduct that is known or ought to be reasonably known to be unwelcome. This includes, for example, repeatedly subjecting a client or colleague to jokes related to race or creed. As a course of conduct, harassment is generally a pattern of behavior where more than one incident has occurred, even if one incident, however, may constitute harassment in some cases, right? Okay. Uh, sexual harassment is defined in the guidelines as an incident or a series of incidents involving unwelcome sexual advances, requests for sexual favors, or other verbal or physical conduct of a sexual nature. Okay, so when such conduct might reasonably be expected to cause um, insecurity, discomfort, discomfort, or offense, or humiliation to the recipients of the conduct, Submission to such conduct is implicitly or explicitly by a condition for the provision of provisional services by the paralegal. Submission to such conduct is implicitly or explicitly a condition of employment by the paralegal, right? So, you know, if they say that, you know, if you do sexual favors or do A, B, and C, then I'm going to hire you. Uh, submission to or rejection of such conduct affects the paralegal's employment decisions regarding the employee, which may include the assignment of file work to the employee, matters of promotions, raises in salary, job security, and uh, employee benefits, among other things. Such conduct has the purpose or the effect of interfering with a, uh, with a person's work performance or such conduct creates an intimidating, hostile, or offensive work environment. Examples of behavior considered to be sexual harassment include so the following um, sexist jokes that cause embarrassment or offense or that are clearly embarrassing or offensive in nature, leering, displays of sexually offensive material, use of sexually degrading words to describe a person, use of derogatory or degrading marks directed at members of one sex or sexual orientation, use of sexually suggestive or obscene comments or gestures, unwelcome inquiries or comments about one's sex life, unwelcome sexual flirtations, advances, or propositions, persistent and unwanted contact or attention after the end of a consensual relationship, requests for sexual favors, unwanted touching, verbal abuse or threats, and sexual assaults. Wow, that's a list. Okay, so next is employment practices. This can be found in section 2.03, subsection 7 of the rules, and this is in guidelines 4, section 9 to 12. So as paralegals, we must ensure that our employment practices comply with the human rights laws and related equity legislation on Ontario. As paralegals, if we employ one or more workers or, um, or we contract the services of one or more Uh, workers, uh, we are required to comply with the workplace violence and harassment provisions of the Occupational Health and Safety Act. This is 
HSA for short. Section 9 to 12, Guideline 4, provides the following guidance to paralegals about the requirements under the OHSA and the steps that paralegals must take to prevent and address issues of violence and harassment in their workplace. Uh, so we have to prepare workplace violence and harassment poli policies to educate others and to keep others in check. We must employ six or more workers. Um, now it says paralegal who employ six or more workers must post written policies in a conspicuous place in the workplace, right? So if you are a paralegal and you have six or more workers, then you have to post written policies in a place at work where it's accessible and others can read it. Um, we have so we have to also review the policies of as often as necessary. At, but at least annually so if we make the policies in the workplace so we have to review them to make sure that they are still relevant and apply as necessary um assess the risk of workplace violence that may arise from the nature of the workplace and the type or conditions of work develop and maintain a program to implement to implement um, the policies with respect to workplace violence and workplace harassment uh, the required contents of such programs are set out in the OHSA and summarized in the guidelines. Okay. What else is here? And it says paralegals should review and familiarize, familiar, familiarize themselves with these and other requirements found in the OHSA to ensure that their empl employment practices align with their legal and professional um, obligations, right? So we have to review this to make sure that our practices align uh, with our, uh, our employment practices align with our legal and professional obligations and to cover all bases. So yeah, uh, that's it for this this uh part i'm probably going to take another quick break and uh, come back again